Hello and welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. We are live here at noon on Wednesday. Uh, St. Patty's Day is a couple days away, and we yeah. are we are here today. The NCAA basketball tournament for men and women kicks off soon, or tips off, I should say. Mm-hmm. I, I mixed some sports mm-hmm. kind of you know <laughs> language off, yeah. there. Kicking is illegal. Kicking, <laughs> that's right. And we are blessed, Emily, with yes. some wonderful guests today. Would you yes. please introduce with them? With us, we have Pastor Ben Mason. Hi, Ben. Your hey, second Emily. time this season. Right? Yeah, my second time this season. Welcome uh, back, Ben. The yeah, beard got a little be longer since a, last time. A little bit, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's great. We're measuring. Are we going? Are, are we? Are we going <laughs> full ZZ Top? Is that the goal, or are we going to just you know keep it here, there? Do you have a plan, or we'll see how it goes? The beard's in charge. I'm just along for the, the ride. Oh boy! <laughs> Actually, I think Stephanie's probably in charge. Yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah. She gets the only vote other than mine, which you know her vote matters more than mine. So there you go. That's looks, kind. Looks good. We all ZZ Top goes Ben Mason. Ben Mason doesn't go ZZ Top. <laughs> that's how that works. Well, Ben could play guitar just as well. Yeah. That's for yeah. Sure. yeah. And that's a high compliment because I appreciate that. Yeah. I don't that's think good. I agree, but thank you. And then new this season with us, men's minister Chris Kimston. Hi, Chris. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah. yeah. Happy to have Glad you. Have Thanks you. for making your debut on the podcast. Your first, but certainly not your last time. Chris, you, you're leading our men's ministry. You're uh, a graduate, Master of Divinity from? Uh, from Bethel Seminary. Yeah. Uh, went, went to seminary with one Danny Householder. Uh, mm. You guys were classmates all the way back in elementary school, though, weren't yes. you? Yes. Shout out to Westridge Elementary. Westridge oh, alums, Westridge. not just Bethel Seminary. So yeah, elementary no school, that. other schools. We did the whole thing. Yeah, but yeah. not college, different colleges. No, different, different high colleges. Schools. I went to Drake University. Go Bulldogs. Uh, obviously, mm. they're winning the tournament. Um, <laughs> You've got them picked all obviously. the way. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's going to happen. So, yeah, we're excited. Excellent. Well, I'm excited about our Bible readings uh, for for this week, and it's not because they're easy. Mm-mm. I may be excited because they're challenging. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of challenges, not just in the Old Testament readings either, but also if we're going to take seriously some of the stuff that Jesus is teaching uh, in the chapters of Luke's Gospel. So let's let's get into it. We've mm-hmm. we've we've been hearing some questions out there in Hope Land. Yep. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Okay. Yeah, no, first one. Is our Old Testament reading, what's one big thing you want our podcast listeners to know about the book of Judges, Ben? Yeah, uh, Judges is a really difficult book uh, for a couple of reasons. One of the things we experience when we grow up a Christian is learning about Samson in mm-hmm. uh, in Sunday school or VBS or something like that. And then uh, when you read this as an adult, uh, especially when you read the whole book of Judges, There's some really hard themes in here. Yeah, really hard. Uh, So uh, here's how I want you to understand Judges. What you have is uh, the Israelites who decide to go their own way Mm -hmm. over and over again, and then God turns them over to their own devices. And I I see this throughout Scripture and in my own life, where there are ways and times where uh, I have a choice between going God's way and going the other way, and I sometimes decide to go the other way. Mm And God says, okay, let's see how that works for you. Spoiler alert, it never goes well. (laughs) So uh, uh, what you see in uh, Judges uh, can be uh, encapsulated in one verse, and it's the very last verse of the book, and I think this is really intentional in the way that it's written. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Now, uh, what, why this matters is because the way that God had structured and, and instructed them to lead their country was to not have a king like the other nations, 
But that is because he was supposed to be their king. God is your king, not not some earthly king. And then uh, what happened instead was chaos. Yeah. And this is what you see throughout the book of Judges. So, so when you read Judges, you can like think of Samson as a hero, and then you see him doing a lot of things that are literally directly against the will of God and against the law that he's given. <laughs> and and then so you're like, how does this fit? Don't read Judges as a list of heroes necessarily, uh, but people trying to do what this says. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so the chaos and the tragedy, the genocide, the, the rape, yeah. the murder, all the terrible things you yeah. see yeah. is because people were doing what was right in their own eyes. And this is the way that it sets us up to understand our need for grace, our need yeah. for God, our mm-hmm. need for God to be the king of our life, which is something that we'll see really parallel in what Jesus is talking about in Luke. Yeah. Sometimes the topic sentence for a paragraph or for a book is the first sentence, and sometimes it's the last. And, mm-hmm. and you nailed it, Ben. The last verse of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25, is the key with everybody doing what seemed right in their own eyes. Which doesn't sound totally unfamiliar, you know, to 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 any generation in <laughs> any time in a fallen world, including our own. <laughs> yeah, but that's a that's actually a verse that's repeated in chapter seventeen of Judges. So there's there's a couple yeah. of keys. eighteen and nineteen, yeah, again and again. There's a couple yeah. of keys, I think, and that's one of them to help us unlock an understanding to judges. Judges are leaders of Israel. Mm-hmm. They're not. It's not really courtroom judges. People get that mis, you know misunderstand that these are the people that God appoints to lead, and it goes from good Deborah. To okay, Gideon, to not so okay, Jephthah, to mm-hmm. really bad, Samson, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. then it gets worse from there. I mm-hmm. mean, if you've been reading along on a day to day basis and following mm-hmm. the assigned readings each day that are getting dropped in your email box, we're reading the whole Holy Bible together in a year, and so if you're doing those readings that are being sent to you, you haven't hit the worst part yet. Yeah. I don't mean to give it away, yeah. but it's going to keep. It's like it's spiraling out of control, and it's spiraling mm-hmm. down into total chaos. Sometimes the Bible tells us, do this, mm-hmm. but sometimes the best examples are, don't do that. I mean, mm-hmm. here's here's the behavior, and as you said it so well, Ben, it's based on us not caring what God thinks anymore, right. and we go our own way. That's dangerous, and it leads to all sorts of really poor outcomes. And it's this this circumstance where God, we've seen earlier in the Old Testament when God wipes the slate clean, but it's fascinating to see here God using people yeah. to help try to lead other people, not in a kingly way, right. because that's what God does, but mm-hmm. tries to use people in, a, in, in the way of a judge. And even that goes poorly, but I, I think it's 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 a fascinating kind of turn of it's it's just another example of God trying to use other people, use us, help us to lead each other. And again, because we're flawed people, even the judges doesn't always go well. Amen. It, it, I heard a commentator say, uh, I read this about judges when um, the way he put it was when Israel forgets God, might makes right, and mm-hmm. when, when we forget God we tend to lean on our own understandings of mm-hmm. things. I mean, what's the proverb? Uh, don't lean on your own understanding. In all right. your ways, acknowledge mm-hmm. God and he'll make your path straight. This Judges is the opposite of that. Judges is a picture of what life in this world will look like if we abandon God. And then mm-hmm. we decide what's right, what's wrong. It leads to sexual uh, promiscuity and perversion at, mm-hmm. at a level that's just... 
this is not a PG or even PG thirteen book. No. I mean, th- th- this goes full blown R rated. Just you know, warning. Mm-hmm. It, not just that, but the violence and the mm-hmm. the. It, it's because these leaders devolve into a place where they don't care what God thinks anymore. Mm-hmm. They just want to do and get whatever they can for themselves. It's power grabs. Mm-hmm. It's it's we get to do whatever we want. It's we hate them, so let's destroy them. Yeah. And this is not God. This is this is us at our worst mm-hmm. as human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what was Jesus talking about when he said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees? Mike? Yeah, yeah. He was saying that in the context of a whole tension between himself and his teaching and the tension of the temple priests, the religious scribes, the Pharisees get named a lot uh, by name. There are other sects too, S-E-C-T-S, uh, the Sadducees, the, the S-N-S. There, there's different groups, but the Pharisees seem to get named the most, not just in Luke, but the other gospels as well. So let's just summarize it with that, that they're talking about... Um, a, a form of obedience to God that has everything to do with, you know, it's not t- totally dissimilar from judges mm-hmm. because it, it's using religion as a power grab. It's using religion mm-hmm. to shame other people mm-hmm. and to uh, affirm whatever we say is right in our own narrow, legalistic, self-righteous definitions of what God calls us to do. So Jesus calls them yeast because yeast spreads. Bad mm-hmm. religion can spread too. And we, we see this also in every generation, sadly. And we're not immune from it here too. And that's why it's good to have accountability. And it's good to have iron sharpening iron. And it's good for our whole church body to be reading the Bible instead of just depending on some pastors mm-hmm. um, to tell everybody what it says. Read this stuff. You know, learn it. Live it out so that, so that we can be a stronger, healthier more faithful body of Christ. Jesus is saying uh, a little bit of yeast is going to get into the mix here. He says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees in Luke chapter 12, verse 1. He says it again um, in, in other parts of the Gospels and the Scriptures, but it's just a part of the ongoing tension. He's saying what you hear being taught as scriptural truth just because they're quoting scripture doesn't mean they're doing it right. Mm. And it certainly doesn't mean they're applying it faithfully. Yeah. Right. That's dangerous. Yeah. I think it comes down to, is God a means to your own end, or are you letting God be in charge? That's which a is, really good way to put it. Which is exactly what Judges is talking about. Like, okay, I, I'm going to use my identity as the people of Israel as a way to grab power, mm-hmm. or my identity as a judge of Israel in order to elevate myself. Uh, for the Pharisees, you know, Jesus says in uh, chapter 11, like, yeah, you clean the outside of the dish, but the inside of the dish is still filthy, dirty. Mm-hmm. And then and then what he goes on to say is, beware the uh, leaven of the Pharisees, the yeast of the Pharisees. Um, and he, he's taking them to task. Uh, and then he flips it in, in verse 6. Uh, Don't you know how much God cares for you? Are not five sparrows sold for, a, you know, a couple pennies? Um, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Like, what you need to do is let God be king of your life. And it's going to go well for you. But if you decide to take for yourself what you can get and let yourself be in charge of your life, it's going to go really sideways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the, I think the metaphor of yeast is so good because <laughs> you, you, 
it's something you use also. It's not, it, you can't completely distance yourself. You could say, well, I'm not a Pharisee, so I'm not going to do that. So but, easy to do. Yeah. But, which would be the really Pharisees easy. are always them. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's always that person or that group or right. that person that behaves in that way. But yeah. the, the, I love the metaphor of yeast because it's like, no, no, no. Like you need, you need beliefs and such. That's what the metaphor being, you know, uh, yeah. you need things to make your life as well. Yeah. Don't base your life on the same things that they are yeah. um, because that can sneak into what you're doing as well. It's just as a, mm-hmm. it's a powerful metaphor because mm-hmm. it's, it kind of eliminates the distance we can put between ourselves and other so people. So then an application would be say, whatever you invite in will grow. Right. Yeah. If you invite goodness into your life, that will that will grow. If you invite hostility in your life, yeah. that will grow. If you invite uh, greed in your life, that will grow. Not yeah. all religion is bad. No. There's good right. religion right. too, and that can be yeast. And so mm. ultimately it's a matter of guarding your heart, as the Bible will say mm-hmm. later uh, in the epistles, and letting letting it yeast is an invasion right it's an invasion of of things and so mm-hmm. it can be an invasion for good or it can be an invasion yeah. for evil and the the problem with pharisaical legalistic behavior is it's so convenient it's funny i was mentioning this to our staff at our meeting yesterday it's so important for us to be able to know the difference in every passage of scripture we're reading between law and gospel. The law condemns, the gospel saves. Mm -hmm. And when we confuse those two and we start using the law as the thing that's going to save you or has saved me, Mm-hmm. Because I follow it better than these these people in this other church or denomination or non church or other religion or what. If I think I'm better because of my behavior, I'm missing the point of the law. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, Chris, mm-hmm. we're all the re- on the receiving end. Mm-hmm. We all need a savior. Yep. Not one of us can save ourselves by our good theology or by mm-hmm. a good religion. And yet, good theology and good religion has a really important place. So it's that delicate mm-hmm. balance. Yeah. It, it's really that key of, of being humble enough to say, hey, you know, we're on the same team with, with other churches ultimately. But Luther's, you know, as, as a Lutheran church of hope, which is what we are, this is one of the greatest things about being a Lutheran is Luther insisted and lifted up. He said, you have to know the difference between law and gospel. Yeah. You have to know if what you're reading is for the sake of accusing you of your sin, which is the purpose of the law, which condemns, or if it's for the sake of the gospel, which saves. The law can't save us. We, mm-hmm. Well, we can delude ourselves into thinking it can, which is really at yeah. the heart of legalism. Mm-hmm. That's when we really start sliding down a slippery slope, and it gets back to the book of Judges again. We start to think we're better than other people mm-hmm. because we do things morally better, or we do, we do justice issues better, or we do, mm-hmm. you know, you can go on any side of the social spectrum and find the weak spots there. That's, that concerns me. But it gets back to what you're saying, Ben. Do we, we got to settle the issue of lordship. Mm-hmm. Is it me? Do I, call, do I get to tell Jesus who Jesus is and make him a comfortable savior? Or does Jesus get to tell me who he is and who I am too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which includes, and we're going to get to that, some pretty challenging language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you're kind of a mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You guys started by talking about the Pharisees. We continue to take questions online. You can submit them all week or now on social media. One that we got says, can you explain the difference between disciples and apostles? I got a quick one for that. So discipleship in the original Greek of the New Testament means student. Apostle in the original Greek of the New Testament means one who is sent out. 
And so you know, one tends to lead to another, and that's why we usually think of disciples and the Gospels and apostles in the book of Acts, uh-huh. you know, after the resurrection. But it's not quite that clean because they're, you know, they're called both in different sections of the New Testament too. But that for starters. What else that's would you good. guys say? Well, if, if you just stay being a student, you know, th- there are some people that will just learn their whole life, and that's great. Mm-hmm. And I hope I keep learning my whole life. But if that's all I ever do, if I never apply anything that I ever learn, uh-huh. if it, if I never use it to change my life or change the lives of other people, what good does it do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be able to put the things into action. At the same on the on the same level, if I go and try to do the things without learning how to do them, and this yeah. is a, uh, something that young Christians <laughs> can step into, like I'm called to go preach the word, and so you'll you'll see people that they'll they'll come to faith for the first time, and they'll be like, okay, right, I'm going to go preach, but they like, don't know the difference between long gospel. They don't know the difference between long. They haven't done the work of right. learning and growing that they need to go through. So mm-hmm. these things do go hand in hand, and we need to be both. There's nobody that's a disciple that's not also called to be sent out and there's nobody that's Good. meant to be sent out that doesn't need to do learning and both of them are a lifelong thing that's good and we feel uh, a lot of ownership over our own stories and we all want to mm-hmm. be the best experts that we can at whatever we happen to be doing so sometimes there is a skipping of some of these those middle steps right because when people get fired up they want to be the person yeah. you know they see yeah. they see some of the amazing things happening around hope and they're like i'm going to start my own church community or i'm going to do put I'm, me in coach put me in coach and that's really fantastic but there there's the theological training that's important knowing the difference between law and gospel yeah. considering things you've never considered before things we've learned in seminary and such but um, there's also the practical nature of you have to learn how you have to be in it for a while to yeah. learn the nuances of how mm-hmm. things work, to well, walk alongside true. people. Mm-hmm. It's just there's so much of the process, and I think it's funny that as we have these interchangeable uh, you know, phrases for people following Jesus, it's like the hope circle, right? Like you you go from being a uh, a seeker to, um, you, you know, you end up believing and serving and leading and growing, and that leads right back to seeking again, um, mm-hmm. not because of some failure of faith or anything, but just as we continue you to learn and grow, but only, like Ben's saying, um, manifesting through uh, when we actually try to use the things that we're learning. Really, really good. Let's keep good going. Answers. I'm excited. This is great. Okay. In the movie Wall Street, Gordon Gecko famously said, greed is good. Jesus has a different perspective. What's wrong with greed? Chris, what's wrong with it? Yeah. Well, good flashbacks to the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't do my 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 Gordon Gecko impression. The, uh, but it's... <laughs> He he. In case anybody doesn't know what the reference is, in the movie Wall Street, Gordon Gecko is this. He, he is the personified kind of Wall Street banker, slick suit, the devil in pinstripes. <laughs> he really, yeah. yeah, he really gives off that vibe. And the thing is, is that um, I, I read an interview with Michael uh, Michael Douglas. Right, I'm getting that name right. Yes, I'm panicked now. Good. Now no, you nailed it. That we're rolling, but um, Michael Douglas. They asked him about that role because of all the different things he's done in his career. The thing he still gets yelled at um, when he's at, because first of all, apparently people like yell at celebrities. Can we just like not do that? Um, The thing that people yell at him in New York is, hey, Gordon Gecko, greed is good. And he, the thing that he was amazed at was he's like, people like, that people told him, I got into stock whatever because of Gordon Gecko. He goes, he's supposed to be the villain. He's a tragic 
character. He's, he's a tragic yeah, character. But they the, missed the point. But the reason I think why people miss the point is because if you trace original sin, this this notion that did God really say this? Mm. Did mm. are you really taken care of? Mm. Is there enough for you? That just th- that that little disturbance. If you walk that out and you continue to walk it out and let that. Um, kind of dictate your mindset, your relationships, how you see the world. If you let that snowball, eventually you get to greed because at the core of greed is yeah. there is not enough for me. And if there is something, I need to have it, hmm. which is the opposite of Eden, is hmm. the polar opposite. Um, and so it's just really fascinating to talk about. And Jesus says um, in, our, in, in our readings in particular, uh, in Luke chapter 12, let me flip to it on my internet rectangle. Um, <laughs> in Luke chapter 12, he mentions here, um, let me find the verse. Um, he talks about uh, people wanting to store up all of their stuff and keep it for themselves. Uh-huh. Essentially, is what he's talking about is this attitude of scarcity. Right. Mm-hmm. There's not enough for me, so I need to get as much as I can, missing that there is a God of abundance. And yeah. in verse 21, he said, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Um, the, the entire point is reorienting that we worship a God of abundance. I really think this gets back to that lordship thing. Who is the one that makes me safe? Mm-hmm. Am I the one that's going to provide for me? And if God's in charge, if there is a king in the land, mm-hmm. then um, I know that God will take care of me. I know that God will provide for me. But if there's no king in the land and everybody will do whatever their heart desires, mm-hmm. right? I, I need to figure out how I can protect myself from the greed of other people. Yeah. I need to figure out how mm-hmm. I need to protect my tribe. I need to figure out how to um, make sure that I'm... I look after number one, mm-hmm. and, that, and that, that's just a really tragic thing about this is you end up falling into this trap to where you are the one that keeps you safe. You are the one that makes your identity. You are the one that gives your life purpose, mm-hmm. and I think that's at the heart of this. Greed is just one microcosm of this bigger issue that's mm-hmm. really about idolatry, that's really about God being God. If God is God, then I'm not. It is, it is about idolatry. Greed is. And that's why I believe the Bible says more, has more teaching about, about money and how we see it in our lives mm-hmm. and its role in our lives than it does about prayer. And that mm-hmm. isn't to minimize the importance of prayer. Mm-hmm. It's just to say, watch out. I mean, because God loves us. Mm-hmm. He's saying, yeah. be careful not to let greed become your idol. Don't, mm-hmm. let it, don't let it become the thing that you worship, because when you do, you'll turn into that tragic character, too. Even if you're successful, yeah. it'll, you know, the Bible has other just nuggets of wisdom. If you fall in love with your money, you'll never have enough. Yeah. If it's always the pursuit of more stuff, it says you've come into the world with nothing. You go out with nothing. And mm-hmm. so it's just this humbling reminder. There's you know, the preacher's favorite line uh, at a funeral, there's no U-Hauls to heaven. Yeah. You, know, you, mm-hmm. you can't take all the stuff you acquire with you. You're just, yeah. you're just going in you. The other problem with greed is it distracts us from the better stuff in life. Mm-hmm. It, you know, G- later, Jesus says uh, in this same chapter of the Bible, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things will be added unto you. Well, now that's the way to live. Yeah. Start with God. Uh, not the idol of anything else, including money, which mm-hmm. you can have a great... But you know, we, we, we can be greedy toward a lot of things. Yeah. We can be greedy toward money. We can be greedy toward power. We can be greedy toward popularity and fame. That we, we can have a greed for a lot of things. None of them are healthy because none of them make good gods. They, they aren't rewarding. They don't satisfy. They look good 
but they also paralyze. I've got uh, friends in Chicago who have been highly successful, people I grew up with uh, in Chicago, and they have just they have made bank. I mean, they mm-hmm. have been so successful financially. And there's nothing wrong with that. That right. that can be a really wonderful blessing. But it's 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 paralyzed some of them. One of my friends won't travel mm. because he's afraid to leave his house because he's afraid it'll get stolen, robbed. You know mm-hmm. uh, that burglars will come, and yeah. he, he he needs to be there. He feels like he's he, he so he doesn't see the world, even though he'd have easy access to it. Um, he doesn't have good friendships and relationships because he's always distrustful mm. while they're out for my money. They, it, he's never been married. He's my age, never been married, could easily have been married. He had mm-hmm. several women interested in him in different s- stages of his life, sure. afraid to do it because money's become his God. And he doesn't trust that whoever this woman is who comes into his life really loves him for him. It, it's not all, it's not all it, the world says it is. Yeah. There's, there's more to life than this for sure. Well, and I think too, that like I, it's you mentioned all the different things we can be greedy about. It's so hard because it's not if you're listening to this and you you resonate with some of that or you feel like that's in you. It's not one of those things that you can easily just go, "Well, I guess I just won't be greedy anymore <laughs> because, you know, the the Pastor Mike podcast convinced me." It's 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 a lot of your worldview that you were handed, too. And so it's but I I love Ben what you said. I I think it's it's really smart to bring up fear because what you're it, what you're greedy about is often where you're finding security. Right. Yeah. And so that's that's just I think a really if if you're hearing this and thinking what how do I what is even the next step for me because right. I'm feeling really entrenched it's I think my follow-up question that I'd invite you into is what where do you find the most security? And it might have something to do with some of the things you feel greedy Well, towards. and that's what, right, right after the verse that Mike quoted earlier, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, yeah. little flock, is because. what Jesus says. Because your Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. And that's it. Yeah. That's, that's the freedom passage. That's the yeah. reminder, ultimately, of what matters, which actually leads into our next question in a way that may be not immediately apparent. Like Matthew and Mark, Luke's gospel emphasizes Jesus' teaching on our need to be ready for his return. So what does it really mean to be ready? It means to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and know that God has chosen you. Don't be afraid because it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So one thing leads to another in in this this movement through these three chapters of Luke's gospel, Luke 12, 13, and 14, challenging as it is. And I want to get back to something you you were moving toward, Chris. Uh, when you were talking about greed and the different forms of greed, and well, let's just flip flip a switch then, and we'll stop being greedy. Yeah. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, good luck. Or, or for people who struggle with pride, or people who struggle with sure. lust, or people who struggle na- name the 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 weak spot, yeah. right? That the devil knows we have. Well, I'll just stop doing it. How many times do we all know, as ministers and pastors, people who've tried to stop drinking, who have mm-hmm. an alcohol problem or a drug problem? Well, I'm just going to stop. How'd that go? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to quit. What actually makes it happen? Yeah. What, what, what have we seen and what have we witnessed to and yeah. what have we experienced in our own lives? Here's how it happens. We surrender. Yeah. We, we surrender and we let God be who God is instead of a comfortable version and a definition of we say, well, this is who I want my God to be. How do I change? And how do I get ready for Jesus to return? Well, I could give you a whole list of say, well, love people more and, mm-hmm. you know, give more and serve more and volunteer more and yeah, put other people first more and do all these things. And that's the law. 
Right. But the law condemns. The gospel here, the good news right. is, is there's a God who made us and loves us and comes and, and knocking on the door of everybody's heart who's listening to us right now. Yeah. Knocking on the door of your heart right now. Yeah. Open it up and let me in, Jesus says. Then things are going to change. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have the will to stop doing the sinful things that I have a blind spot on or I have a, a weak spot on. But if I make more and more room for God in my life, if I put God more and more first in my life, he's going to come in and, and then how could I be the same? Do not be conformed to this world, Romans 12 will tell us, but be transformed. It happens when I let go, when I surrender. Mm-hmm. That's... People are like, well, we, we need to be ready for Jesus to come back. <laughs> right. Yes. And the way to do that is to make more room for God in your heart today, mm-hmm. right now. It, Luther famously or, or, or did or didn't say, depending on whether you believe <laughs> the legend, legend has it, he was asked, what would you do today if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow? And Luther doing a John Wayne or Clint Eastwood cool guy impression goes, I'd plant a tree. Because that's what I was going to do today anyway. And, yeah. and I don't need to freak out about it because I've made room for God in, in my heart and in my life. And so I don't need to like go out and change everything suddenly. Um, and he also knew that his behavior isn't going to save him anyway. Yeah. That it's only the amazing grace of God through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, that gives any of us any hope to be ready to meet Jesus. So it's just a little misguided when people, again, misunderstand long gospel and say the way to get ready for Jesus is to start to change your immoral behavior and be moral. You're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> some, in some ways, yes. In most ways, no. Make more room for God. Surrender to God and then watch him transform your life from the inside out. Now, that has potential to be more permanent change. Um, I, I feel like saying exhibit A is the 10% of this church who's in recovery on a daily basis from addictive behaviors Mm -hmm. because they learned this. They tried to stop on their own, couldn't do it, and they surrendered it to God. All of a sudden, they're living a new life day to day, and they've been sober for decades. Yeah. And a re-surrender, right? We're um, the men's every day. Yeah, men's every ministry day. is going through the book right now, the imperfect disciple, to kind of walk alongside us talking about nice. disciples. And one of the things he talks about is it's not about the fuzzy feeling of you know a spiritual high top, you know, mm. uh, mountaintop moment, but instead it's it's a constant re-surrendering. Um, the question isn't like how do I just like magically. Uh, ascend to the height of spirituality amidst the perfect worship song and pray the right prayer. It's, it's a constant re-surrendering. And for, for Mike, you've mentioned knowing the difference between law and gospel. Maybe if it's helpful for anybody who's unfamiliar, the way it was helpful, helpful for me to remember is that the different uses of the law, that you can get into a lot of this, but the thing that was helpful for me is when we talk about the, the law condemning, what we're talking about is the fact that we're just not going to be able to do it. Oh. And that the law is still good, and it's helping us know how to live in the world, which is one use of the law, but recognizing that the law exists not just because we should follow it, but also to know that we can't achieve that perfection. Right. It's, it's this situation where whenever we say, and this is, the, again, just taking it really practical, whenever I say yes to something, I have to realize by saying yes, I also say no to something else. Mm-hmm. If I say yes, <laughs> yeah. if I say yes to God, then I'm going to say no to something that my addiction will lead me to. Quite naturally. Quite naturally. Mm-hmm. It, it just it I I want to pretend like I'm not saying no to this, 
But if I say yes to taking good care of my kids, I'm saying no to going to a bar. If I say yes to going to the bar, then I'm also saying no to taking care of my kids, right? Just to use that same example of addiction. Well, in in the same situation, Jesus is in these chapters is like, say yes to, to me, say yes to God. And by doing so, you'll say no to legalism. You'll say no to greed. You'll say no to using power as a way to to make yourself safe. You'll say no uh, to storing up uh, everything in barns and ignoring other people. Uh, when when Christians get into this greed trap, sometimes we'll say, "Well, this is just business. This doesn't relate to my faith." And it's just not true. When you're saying yes to greed, you're saying no to God, and that's why I think we got to be ready. Is okay. What am I saying yes to? And what am I saying no to? Yeah. Okay, that was about Jesus saying, be ready. He said some other things we need you to explain. How can we make any sense of his strong statements in Luke 12? Like, I have come to set the world on fire. I have come to divide people or our families will be split apart. I think this is the same thing. Like, okay, uh, you have to choose what's most important. What's the priority? Um, I... I, I because of my role, and I meet with a lot of couples, I meet with a lot of different people and mm-hmm. pastoral care, the family line pastor. And this is a situation I'm not talking about any specific couple, but this is a common thing that I've seen recently. A uh, couple that's in retirement and uh, they are, they got, they got together after retirement. They have their individual uh, plans for retirement and they, they want to be together they don't want to get married because it's going to mess up their financial situation. Mm. Now, I think this is a really sticky thing, and this is a really challenging thing to address. And every situation is different. So I have no blanket statement for this. But in talking with people, you have to ask yourself, what are you saying yes to and what are you saying no to? Is is being together worth losing the the summer home or the winter home down in Arizona? And that's what it comes down to some couples. They they want to be married in every way except connecting each other financially because then they will lose the home in Arizona. And and what I realize with this, what Jesus is saying, in in choosing me over your family, Jesus is saying, uh, what are you saying yes to and what are you saying no to? What you say no to is what your relationship is worth. And in these statements is the point that you're not all going to make the same choice. It definitely is, Emily. That's a really good point. So here's the other thing to remember. If we have a, a little box that we like to fit Jesus mm-hmm. in, he may not always want to fit in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, he, and we just can't. We can pretend. But the fact of the matter is Jesus often gives really comforting words for people who are feeling challenged. Yeah. But he also gives very challenging words for people who are getting too spiritually comfortable sometimes. Yeah. And that's certainly the case here. This, I... I would say for a lot of people, I might put myself on that list, is some of the hardest teaching Jesus has in yeah. any of the Gospels. Right. Let me let me read it. He says, from now on, families will be split apart because of me. Three mm-hmm. in favor of me, two against. Two mm-hmm. in favor and three against. This is Luke 12, mm-hmm. 52. Father will be divided against son. Son against father. Mother against daughter. Do- I can hardly take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love my family. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. We, we love the groups of people we do life together with. 
And so does it mean being a Christian is going to divide us up? And here's, here's another example of proof texting. This gets really maligned and pulled out of context mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and applied in a way that it was never meant to be applied for people who want to use it as a club, a, a sledgehammer to smash people they don't like, you know, or mm-hmm. say, well, you know, Jesus, Jesus said he's going to divide us. So, so I can be against you. And I even got a Bible verse to support me on that. That's really dangerous. But there's this too. It's not just the, in- Jesus is intense. When, he need, when the situation calls for it. The key is, I think, the rest of this passage. When you get down, Jesus says, why can't you decide for yourselves what is right? He isn't going to tell us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a time to flip tables in mm-hmm. the temple, like Jesus does, righteous anger. There's a time to tell people that's just too far. Even though we're family, I'm not going to go there with you. I'm not going to say it's okay that you are corrupt. I'm not going to say that it's okay that you're prejudiced. I'm not going to say it's okay that you hate people just because of who they are. I'm not going to, I know we're family and we're together and we still, I'll still love you, but I'm not going there with you. Mm -hmm. And I think what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's telling us there's going to be situations in this fallen world where following my way. Jesus will say, I'm the way. He's not saying I'm I'm an option. He's saying I'm <laughs> right. a, he says I'm the way. The 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 point of it is very clear. There is no other way, he's saying. He'll he says says earlier in this gospel in Matthews 2, it's a narrow pathway to follow me. Mm-hmm. And sure. so what Jesus Jesus, the intensity and radical nature of Jesus teaching on how to live our lives, no matter how hard we try, it's just not gonna fit with the norm of this world. It's just yeah. not gonna it's not gonna fit with the Roman Empire of his day. It's not going to fit with the temple priests, the, the Pharisees of his day, the legalism on one side, the relativism on the other side. It just doesn't fit. And so Jesus says, if you follow me, it's not that you start hating the people who aren't going my way. You, in fact, you have to love your enemies, Jesus will yeah. say. And Jesus is a peacemaker. So we have to take this in the totality of Scripture. He's the Prince of Peace. But he's saying sometimes there'll be issues of such great injustice that you have to stand up and say, because you follow me, I'm just not going to go with you on that. That, mm-hmm. that is not okay. And so in that sense, we're divided. In that sense, we, mm-hmm. we, we split up. I think this is related to uh, Jeremiah too says, you know, uh, you say peace, peace, but there is no peace. Right. Right. And we want peace at the expense of truth. But the difference between a peacekeeper, we know people that are peacekeepers, and maybe you are a peacekeeper, where you keep peace by pretending the truth away or by squashing the truth. Being a peacemaker, which Jesus lifts up, is by speaking the truth in a way that insists justice is done, right? So being a peacemaker means saying, no, this is more important to me. The truth is more important, that Jesus is more important. Yeah, and and, yeah. and this, this, is, this is what... Abraham had to decide, am I I more interested in the God who gave me the gift of my son Isaac than I am in the gift itself? So let's apply that to today. Chris, chime in on this too, please. So so this is not Jesus giving us carte blanche to just go out and say, anything we see that we know that Jesus would disagree with, suddenly we're divided from you, we, 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 yeah. we split apart from you. That's the opposite of Jesus' teaching on peacemaker stuff and, 100%. and, and opposite of what the way of Jesus is. Yeah. There's more that unites us than divides us. We have to keep... There is a place for righteous anger. It's just not as big of a place as a lot of Christians make it out to be these days. But Jesus says... 
Jerusalem, I've longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. He's not. He. It's not that he's for division, right? But right, it's right, right. what he's saying is that I'm for truth in a way that division will come, right? Well, and the important thing too, um, along with what you're saying, is that sometimes when you read uh, a statement, you're like, "Wow, that's that's pretty intense," or it brings you to the idea of somebody standing outside the state fair yelling at people, or what, whatever mm-hmm. that happens to be with signs, or however mm-hmm. this sometimes gets misappropriated. All of a sudden, the the question behind the question is, "Oh my gosh, is Jesus that guy?" Right. But what we have mm-hmm. to go back to is, how, who is the God that I know, and so what do I know? about Jesus as he says this. And the interesting thing is I'm not going to pretend to say that, you know, I know that these teachings were right, you know, next to each other in a sermon or anything. The teaching right before this section, um, Jesus uses strong language about cutting someone down. You're like, oh man, that's just another harsh word. But the story is about um, he is the, and the metaphor, the master of a home uh, and a servant is uh, it actually starts with a servant going to harm other people. Is mm-hmm. he's, he's he's wrecking the house and hurting other people, and so the the master that comes back to cut somebody down, it's actually done to save other people. He mm-hmm. is he is stopping violence and what he's doing, and so it's just I think it's a great example of like if you back up enough in the story where it's like oh man Jesus is getting really intense and he's talking about cutting people down. At the beginning, it's the Jesus that we know. It's it's Jesus being there to save. So, in summary, I guess is like, you know, I feel like what we're saying is, who is the God that you know, yeah, and what's what's God's heart behind it? And He wants us to have enough faith and to follow Him faithfully enough. Jesus does to yeah. know what the weather is, what time is it. Verse fifty four of Luke twelve. Um, then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, uh, "See." Uh, sorry, I lost my place there. Um, it's, it's, you need to know what the, what the forecast is. Yeah. We need to know mm-hmm. what's coming. And that's really important. We need to know what time it is. As Christians, we can't justify hate for the people we stand against. Yeah. No. That's, where the, that's where things get really challenging if we're going to really, truly faithful, faithfully follow Jesus Christ. So it, one of the ways we discern what time it is, is I think we look at the behavior of the people who are taking stands for justice or against things or against immorality and say, are you doing it with love? Are you speaking your truth with right. humility? Are you speaking your truth with words of grace? Because that's ultimately what Jesus did. I mean, he kept going to the cross after this. He didn't say, I've had it with you people. I'm no. done. Right. And we should too. Uh, worldly power grabs are not change. Uh, the, not the change Jesus prescribes. That's too much of what's happening amongst, amongst Christendom these days. Is right. it's worldly power grabs? We need to have the power so that we can crush the other side. That's not the way Jesus did it. It's not about fighting the fight in that way. Fighting the good fight means living life differently than the sinful norm. It's not defeating sin with more sin. It's defeating sin with the con- conquering power of love. And I just can't say that loud enough. Because, man, I think our world needs to hear that. I think the mm-hmm. church in America needs to hear that today. Do you sound like Jesus when you stand against yeah. evil? Do yeah. you sound humble and loving? Do you, are you grace-based? Yes, flip the tables once in a while. When there's such injustice, you say, there's no, there's no room in God's kingdom for greed. There's no room in God's kingdom for exploitation or dehumanization or injustice or mm-hmm. on and on the list goes or any of the other evils that flourish in our world today. Yes, 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 yes. But the way to, to conquer sin is not with more sin. Right. The way to conquer sin, mm-hmm. the only thing powerful enough to conquer it is love. That, 
That's good. Following Jesus is good. That's good. <laughs> Challenging. As a quick aside, the verses you were looking at about the weather, I loved because it says you're going to look at the weather and say, here comes a shower and you're right. And then it says, or you could look at it and say, today will be a scorcher. And it is. <laughs> and I think people love saying that. So now you're, you're like Jesus. You're saying like, oh man. So for all the scorcher. meteorologists in our Hope family, yeah. Jesus was for you. You're doing you, you great. really like the way that you would discern the weather. Yes. We had a 50 plus, uh, at the 50 plus event upstairs. Uh, yes. Is a, is a meteorologist today yeah, from today, one of the local right? yeah. Yeah. That's Chris, great. yeah, just minute. Well, you know, it, and he's saying, yeah, you, you got the wisdom. I've given you the tools you need. So why don't you discern this thing? Mm-hmm. Why don't you discern the things that matter most? And mm-hmm. the, it's, what it is, it's a matter of lordship. Who's lord in your life? Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, help our listeners understand Jesus's response to the question, will only a few be saved? Chris, what do you think? Yeah. Tell me, who's getting saved? I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, do you want alphabetically? Or, no. <laughs> um, the, the important thing... Could you us, start with the H's? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the important thing with this verse is that heaven, um, eternity with God, whatever words you want to put around it, yeah. is not... It, it doesn't have one of those plaques you see at... at local gathering spaces that say maximum capacity this number. <laughs> My answer Sorry, to, we're full. No yeah. vacancy. Yeah. I was like, man, if you would have just gotten here a little bit sooner. Yeah. <laughs> All the good speeds are taken. Yeah. Uh, will, will only a few be saved? I think the answer is that doesn't have to be the case. Amen. That's not what God wants. Yeah, yeah, no. And again, this is where you go back to what do you know the heart of God? The heart of God is not to say, well, only if you be saved. Well, if I have something to say about it, then yeah. No, um, really, Jesus's grace is free, and so is our will to choose God. And unfortunately, that's where some of the reality goes is that um, and you, you might say, well, Chris, is... Uh, there's no way somebody wouldn't choose God. I'm like, we all, uh, present company included, choose, don't, we choose whatever is not God. (laughs) We choose not God every day. Mm. And now we're getting real. Now we're getting honest. It's Luther in the small catechism explaining faith. He says, we cannot by our own good works, our own good decisions, I'm paraphrasing, but we can't on our own make the right choice. Thank God Jesus chooses us. You didn't choose me. He says, I chose you. And he, how do you know you're chosen? You hear his word. That means you're chosen. So you're hearing his word. God, here, this is how you know you're chosen. God loves you. There, it's done. Mm. Uh, you, mm-hmm. that, that, then you know you're on that team. Does that mean you're saved? No, because God gives you the... We, we can, we, it's like the Titanic. I like to use that example. It's going down. There's lifeboats. Uh, but you don't have to get on. I mean, if we reject Jesus, I don't understand how we expect to be in his kingdom. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's like, why would you want to be in the kingdom of the person that you, you hate or don't want any part of? But the good news in Scripture is... You know, Revelation talks about too many to count. That's the vision. So mm-hmm. hopefully that vision will come yeah. to reality. Uh, Jesus here is, we, we know that through the cross, everyone can be saved. First Timothy 2, 3 and 4, I think it is, says it's God's will that everyone would be saved. What great news. Mm-hmm. So God, it is God's will, but God also hasn't made us puppets. He's not going to just say, well, you're saved because mm-hmm. I say so. I know there's a, <laughs> I just opened up a whole can of worms of double predestination and Calvinism <laughs> versus Lutheranism and Arianism, but yeah. that's another debate for another podcast. I said free will earlier. Yeah, so I, that I, I caught that. I yeah. did. I thought, oh boy, here we go. But we will, we will get into that more later. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit before from time to time, but for, for let's just say what scripture says. It does say that it's God's will that everyone be saved, yes. and yet we know not everybody is. 
but but what good news that God wants everybody in. Uh, right. It's going to be through Christ. We know it's going to be through Christ one way or another. So we want to preach Christ and, and him so, crucified. We want to share this good news with the world around us so that they can be saved too. So take it Jesus' words right here in uh, uh, 1334, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, uh, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. Why did God send those prophets? Because he wanted them to be saved. And he says, how I have wanted to gather your children, just like a hen gathers uh, her chicks under her wings, right? The image is one of protection. God God wants you to be safe. God wants you to be whole. God wants you to be saved. You see Jesus um, weeping. You see Jesus uh, longing for, for everyone to be saved. Mm-hmm. And then he says... Uh, but you were not willing. You would not have it. And here we go, the free will thing again. But it's right there in Jesus' words, so we yeah. got to deal with it. Yeah. And it, and this this is the thing that we have to realize is that uh, the salvation that God gives is for us. Mm-hmm. And when we say yes to something, we also say no to something else. Good. And it says, it, just for as we have this conversation, I'm, I'm thinking of somebody reading this saying, well, it says, though, that somebody's knocking at the door and Jesus won't let them in. Well, the mm-hmm. whole point is that it says right before that, make every, make every effort to walk through the door. The door is open to you. Um, the door mm-hmm. is open to you now. The whole point isn't we follow Jesus when it's convenient. The, mm-hmm. the, the truth is that we follow Jesus because Jesus is Lord. That's right. And it, too, too many times we get things backwards. And so we'll have to wrap up with this thought. But we, we talk about what we got to do to get saved. That's what Jesus does for us to get saved. We should spend more time talking about what we do now that we are saved because we have the assurance of our salvation. Mm -hmm. So now we walk on this radical, narrow road with Jesus where we love our enemies, Mm -hmm. where we, we love our enemies, not because it's my, because I, because, you know, we just told people to love their enemies, but because Jesus has gotten into us. If people are loving their enemies, if people are um, turning cheeks, if people are living this radical swim in upstream and a downstream world life, then it's going to stand out. It's going to be as intense as Jesus' words in these three chapters of Luke's gospel. And it's going to be this narrow road. And it's worth it because as hard as it is to walk this road with Jesus, the view is unmatched. <laughs> it is just absolutely the best. And that gets back to why greed isn't going to give us what we want. It gets back to so many of the things that we talked about, humility. It gets back to Judges where they started, you know, Judges chapter two is another key to unlock that, path, that whole book for us because it, it, it says, here's everything you're going to read about. Israel's going to go through this cycle of, of, mm-hmm. of they're, they're clicking with God you know, they've, they've settled the issue of lordship, Ben. Uh, they, they're, they're saying no to, to the wrong things and yes to God. And, and things, are, things are good for them, but then they get comfortable and then they get tempted and then they fall and then there's oppression and then there's corruption and then there's all sorts of chaos and, and destruction. Then there's humility and then there's repentance and then on and on it goes. So the narrow road is a road of humble repentance. The narrow road is a road of getting over ourselves and thinking that we're going to get this figured out on our own. Mm-hmm. No, Jesus got it figured out for us. He comes to save us. He's the savior. He's the rescuer. He's the champion. That's where Lent leads us too, to the cross and to the empty tomb. And we are blessed to be able to follow him. And I wish, man, I got a feeling we're going to keep talking for an hour after this <laughs> is done, but we have to wrap this podcast up uh, for now. And we'll have you guys on again. Emily, Jeff, fun. 
I did. And we had a really good question that we didn't get to about suffering, but you're going to preach on that this weekend. Yes. So come to church, uh, come to Lutheran Church of Hope or tune in online and, and catch it. I'm going to be diving into what Jesus says in Luke's gospel about suffering and why do uh, bad things happen to good people, which is the Big. age old question and trips so many people up. Mm-hmm. Man, this is good. Yeah. Thanks, guys. It was fun. God thanks is for good. Having me. Thanks, everybody. We'll thanks. see you next week and we'll see you at church this weekend. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform and we'll see you next time. Yeah.